Hello everyone and welcome to this week's pod. Slightly different this week, as you'll hear me here and with the opposition fan interviews. But as I missed the Pompey game, Russ is stepping in to host today. Sounds like I didn't miss much in the Pompey game, as Ryan Hayward says, it wasn't pretty, but you take the clean sheet after shipping six in the last game. Lots of other people mentioned the fact that they were after a response too. Steve Bennett, Mark Bertels and Rob Dutton pleased with the reaction rather than the style of play. Dino was happy they fought hard and dug in, with Luke Bebbington saying it was obvious they were after a clean sheet, although Trevor Griffiths puts that down to the poor Pompey penalty. Three players stood out for praise, one was Will. Alex Smith saying he kept us in the game, Adam Turner thinking he was the best player by a country mile and Henry Lewis thinks he deserves a run in the side to keep improving. Jonathan Ditt thought Luke Offord was great and says he's still in with a shout for player of the season. Ant Copeland says the best outfield player was Tommy Lowry. And H. Robinson wins comment of the week when he said we miss Holmes Chapel's Tommy Lowry so much when he's not there. Saturday's game at Wigan provoked some reaction. Richard Evans, Grant and Jem's responses were not suitable for a family-friendly pod, but I appreciate the input and I do share the sentiment. Chris Thompson simply asks, did they perform? Another Chris says his Wigan mate can't believe the difference in the two crew teams they've faced this season. Pete Robinson says poor performance, but season as a whole has been a success. Lots of areas of improvement, but Danny Phillips picks out the poor link-up play and sloppy passing. Mark Jones labelled it as awful, with too many players not interested. Charlie Morris asks, where has the vim, dash and verve of the first half of the season gone? Tim Robinson says players looking in the mirror that like that performance should stop playing now. Phil B saying anyone at crew putting in lazy performances should enjoy playing non-league. Paul Gregory and Mr B both singled out Omar Beckles, with Paul saying he isn't League One standard and Mr B saying each game makes him less and less bothered about him signing on for next year. Craig Bake adds to that with Beckles out. Lots of people thinking this is the last game they paid for this season. Ben Benson saying he's saving his tenner Tuesday night. Andy O'Neill not thinking it's worth paying again this year. Liam and Andy Priest both saying they'll be back in August, but not before. Andrew Lloyd's concern with that is that teams tend to carry form over into next season. Russ Phillips uses one word to describe the game, bobbins. One final thing before we get on with the pod, Russ forgot to mention that this Thursday we'll be releasing our Steve Phillips pod. It's very different to the normal ex-player pods as Steve has some interesting views on how the club is, was, run. And a little pre-warning for Thursday, his pod is a little more sweary than our normal output. Okay, enjoy the podcast. Well, hello and welcome back to the Railway Men podcast. As Stuart has just said, he's been ousted from the hosting chair this week and I have taken control. Lucky, lucky me, hey? So many great goals to talk about this week. Let's get straight into it as we have a lot to talk about. Crew played two games attempting to bounce back from last Saturday's nightmare with a solid nil-nil draw on Tuesday with promotion chasing Portsmouth. Then Saturday saw Crew travel to the DW where we played out a poor 2-0 defeat to relegation battling Wigan. With me today are three of our regular panellists. We've got Steve Davis, Aaron Lewis and Steve Hatton. Hello, chaps. Afternoon. Okay, then let's get into it. Uh, Tuesday saw Artel make six changes for the game. I thought the back line was pretty interesting. 
uh, offered and Wood at centre backs with Rio instead of Travis at right back. What did we think of this setup, uh, Steve Hatton? I'm um, part of me is wondering what has Travis Johnson done wrong? Because okay, admittedly he there was that horrific on goal, but actually it done all right. And and I would suggest that perhaps when Perry went, I think we thought Travis was further ahead in his development than than Rio. Um, I'm not really a fan of fullbacks playing with a in in the side that favours their their less strong foot. To be honest, so I'll, I've never quite got the logic of playing a left foot or a right back personally. So I was a bit taken aback that Rio. I know he's played there before. But um, to me, it's a no-brainer now. We've got to give Travis a run because I think he is the long-term successor to Perry. And now's a perfect chance to see what he can do in this division. Aaron, do we agree? Do we think uh, Rio over Travis or is Travis just unlucky? Yeah, I do agree with what Steve said about, um, you know, inverting your wing-backs, I guess, in a way, uh, with using the stronger foot. Um, For what Travis has or hasn't done, I don't think it's any... In terms of a gaff stakes, I don't think it's any worse than some players we're probably going to get onto later on in the podcast. Um, <laughs> true. The other thing true. as well, in terms of the back line, and it gets it goes for the the, uh, the Wigan game as well. Is we're obviously we seem to have a wealth of options in terms of centre halves, and we're sticking with Wood playing, which is an odd one given I think. Conventional wisdom sort of suggests at this point we should probably play players who are probably going to be here next year. So is there something in there, do you think, that we could be getting wood permanently? Am I just speculating there, do we think? I think you're probably speculating, but I agree I agree with the sentiment. I think that I have the similar opinion to Pickering as well. Steve Davis, do you think we should still be playing him or he's not going to be here next season, is he? So just put someone else there. Yeah, I mean, the, the whole Pickering thing, boils down to sort of going back to the Travis thing. Why isn't he playing it? Nobody knows why he's not playing. No one, you know, you listen to the press pre-match press conferences, post-match press presses, and nothing is ever asked of Travis. So there must be a reason fitness wise why he's why he's not playing. Personally I, I would play Pickering out until the end of the season. Um he's doing us a lot of money. He's probably still our best player, isn't he? Um I think we'd be daft not to play him for the next four games or so. Yeah, that's fair How, enough. However, however, with the Wood thing, I, is, I agree maybe with Aaron, is, is there something in there? Is Dave thinking if we if we play him for these next four or five games, does it give us a better chance of getting him back next season? Because ultimately, I, I doubt Beckles will play for us again. Yeah, I sort of agree. Um, maybe, so I know that Wood is thought of pretty highly by uh, Middlesbrough, so perhaps permanently is a little bit wishful thinking because I know he's quite young but maybe as you suggest we could just get him back next season or something maybe, uh, but maybe that's what Dave's trying to angle at I think there is a, a possibility we can get him back on loan but I don't think there's a cat in hell chance we'll get him permanently I go with what Aaron said I agree that we could get him on loan but I remember reading the reaction from Borough fans that when we got him saying oh he's he's pretty much next in line to the team and in all fairness from his performances he's nowhere near ready for that level no, he's had some strong games for us, but he's also looked exceedingly cumbersome and clumsy at times. So I think another season at this level would do the world of good. And if we can nab him on loan, I think I think he would be a good asset. So if we're if we're setting it up for that to happen, then fine, I'm, I'm happy with that. Speaking about this two centre backs, then against Portsmouth, we kept a rare clean sheet. 
how do we think the two played together offered and would was it too lightweight maybe but then again kept a clean sheet so it can't be too bad Aaron yeah it's again you can't really uh can't really argue with the results I don't know I don't quite know where I see offered playing for us next year maybe it will be at center half um he seems like he can play pretty much anywhere along the back line and even in sort of that holding midfield role I guess so it's, I mean, he's a player I think has come on quite a lot this year and I'm quite intrigued to see what happens with him in the future well, we're talking about offers so let's talk about the penalty incident then it feels like a lifetime ago when that happened someone you told me through it Steve Davis um it's obviously offers a mistake wasn't it that yeah it, got, it does seem a long time ago doesn't it I can't even remember um the guy obviously got in and, and will brought him down um so yeah he was at fault he did look he probably didn't look his best offered on Tuesday. Um, he has looked a lot more solid in previous games, but he was at fault for the penalty. I think he'll admit that. However, Will giving away the penalty then obviously got him out of trouble. Yeah, I don't think you can blame Will too hard on the penalty. I think he's sort of left in no man's land. Maybe there's a bit of error in communication. Why is Will so far out if offered there? I mean, that's the only sort of criticism you could throw it in. Uh, the game itself then I thought was quite back and forth. Pompey had a lot of quality and had a lot of possession and con- controlled the game in general. But crew, as we've said, stood strong. Although we didn't really show anything going forward, did we, Steve uh, Hatton? I'm, I'm struggling um, to remember. I remember there was a chance in the end when Tommy um, Lowry chopped back inside and, and swung over across and Porter nearly got his head on it at the back stick. I think Owen Dale had a few um, efforts from just outside the area that were more or less straight at the keeper. But I, I think from reading between the lines from Martel's comments, it seemed to me that the, the, the main objective from the Portsmouth game was a clean sheet. And, and we almost went 4-4-2 to give us two banks for real solidity. And I think, although we may not say in public, I think he would have been quite happy of a 0-0 draw at the start of the match and, and particularly the clean sheet because it was noticeable we went back to obviously to the, the three again today and it just felt like that was a real effort to go back to basics after the, the nightmare of Coventry. Coventry, Oxford, sorry. Coventry was about <laughs> 15 years earlier. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, it followed the uh, sort of trend we're going on recently and we've gone to this with Wigan as well where we've sort of been good performance, bad performance, good performance, bad performance. And in the general scheme of things, this draw with Portsmouth is a good performance, although there was absolutely nothing going forward. Um, I picked up two players specifically, the first being Anthony Evans. He played out on the right of the midfield for his first full 90 minutes for us, I think. I'm getting nodded heads, yeah. Uh, I know we'll talk about him later as well, but how do you think he did against Portsmouth, Aaron? Um, I mean, um, the only note I really had for him is that it felt like he was always trying to do too much for the entire of that game. Definitely, yeah. Um, it felt like when there was maybe a simpler pass on to keep the move going, he would always try like a, a sort of killer through ball kind of thing or or something to that level. Um, I don't know. He, he, without sort of getting ahead of myself, he impressed me a little bit more on Tuesday night than he did today. But that's not hard. It's going to be my <laughs> takeaway from it. <laughs> I think I personally, I'd, I'm... It's clear to see that he's playing for a contract. I think he, as you say, he's a try and he's a doer, but what he tries and does isn't isn't that good. It's not uh, really coming off, is it? No. And uh, I'll ask Steve Hatton more about him later. Sorry, Steve, go on. No, I think looking back now, obviously, it, 
touching on what Aaron said, it's probably right. But Artel said, I think, after the game that he'd been in the office with his agent and, and told him what's expected of us because he obviously wasn't doing enough. Um, so it might have been a case of trying to over-impress, um, in a, certainly in a Pompey game anyway. Yeah, he was, he was sort of played in a position that I don't think is quite his natural fit as well, whereas uh, on Saturday it was definitely his natural fit and he still didn't do very well. Uh, the second player I picked out was Owen Dale, playing up top in a front two. Personally, wasn't impressed at all by his performance. Thought he just looked lost continuously, barely really affected the match. Uh, Steve Davis, do you see him more of a more of a winger? Well, he's a winger, isn't he? But do you see a yeah, future up front at all? Uh, fair play for Dave for, for going down that route, but is 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 best out wide, isn't he? Um, and contributing with his well goals more than assists. But um, I can see why he put him up there, obviously for his pace. But for me, it didn't work. Um, and he is he is best out on the wing on the right hand side. Yeah, sort of looking at a little man, big man, little man with Chris Porter, but it just didn't work at all. Um, although I didn't think Chris Porter played particularly well either. Uh, Steve Hatton, do you think Owen Dale has any future up front or is that sort of the last we'll see of that? I don't think so. It felt like real square pegs in round holes to me, that uh, that the four four two, And yes, it, it battled us to a nil-nil draw, but I think like you just mentioned, Evans... What it's not where he, a wide midfield role is not one for him, and Dale playing as a partner to a big man up front. He was never that. I think I think Pete Morse mentioned in the commentary that you know um, Porter wins a flick on and Dale's nowhere near it. And if you're going to have two men up there, you've got to have someone around the big man picking up the scraps. And, and Dale didn't really seem to read wherever Porter was going to head it. So I think I'll be very surprised if we see him um, as part of a, a dual strike force again. To be honest. I think uh, you can play with a centre forward of that height, of Dale's height, but like you said, Steve, he's, he wasn't picking any flick-ups and a natural forward would probably read them flick-ons a lot better than what Dale would. Um, so it's worth trying, but yeah, for me, he stays out wide. I do wonder if there's a little bit as well on Tuesday night of we need to shake something up because of how badly it had gone Saturday before. Um, so it was just trying to force a change of some kind, any kind. And we ended up, you know, like you say, at the end of the day, it was still a positive result, though. So I, I don't know if too much to be taken away from it. But part of me thinks that it might be a bit shocking. But in the in the actual context of the week uh, and things, that was probably one of our better results of the season, considering what happened on the Saturday. Yeah, it was a good bounce back, definitely. I thought. I mean, a note I made was that it was very uncrew like in the fact that we did actually hold out and managed to get. A point where I've seen that game a hundred times before, and we've always ended up conceding. So we got a bit of luck along the way with the uh, if John Marquis hits his penalty a bit better, then looking yeah, he's one of the but... one of the worst penalties I've seen for a while. Uh, speaking about that, then uh, we talk about goalkeepers to death on this show, uh, so we'll keep this one short and sweet. But Will, I thought he did really well. Steve Hatton, um, do you want to talk us through his performance? I thought he was great Tuesday night. Um... Couple of good saves and the deflected one just prior to the penalty was was a was a top draw save because he would have had to adjust himself at the very, very last minute. Um going back a few months, I was very much an advocate of Will needs a break. Uh, I, I was never saying he that Dave Richards was a better keeper than him, but I just felt as a youngster he needed some time out of the firing line to kind of reset. 
like you often do with, with young outfield players. And I think he has benefited from it and he's come back. Okay, we'll ignore the Oxford game. <laughs> Wasn't the only one culpable there. But I think he's come back and looks a bit more like the old Will. Um, and I think he's the, we'll come on to this for sure, but he's the only one who emerges of any credit from today's game, in my opinion. His first game back from the break was MK, wasn't it, away? Was it Northampton? I can't remember. Anyway, since he's come <laughs> back, he's had he's had a lot more good games than bad games. And I think even though that Oxford one was truly horrific, on the balance of play, he's he's been better since coming back. Yeah, I think that's fair. You could probably say he's probably... He won us that point on Tuesday and he's probably won more points than we've necessarily thrown away by having him in there now. Yeah, and, and Dave Richards, he's not much better, if better at all. So, no, agreed. I'd say Will's better, but yeah. We talk about goalkeepers too still, much. I said I'd still, not, talk... still not up to League One standard, but that's a different story for a different day. It's a different, different topic entirely. <laughs> um, there's really not much to talk about. We, we've done well to get this much out of a nil-nil draw. Um, last question on the Pompey game. Favourite part of the game, anyone? Penalty save. The penalty save. Penalty save. So if you're, if you're a keeper and you're holding the ball from the penalty and not palming it out, that, that's credit to you, but it's also a sign of how dreadful that penalty is <laughs> if you actually manage to hold on to it. Um, mine was turning it off so that I didn't have to listen to those bloody bells anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Good God. The, the, uh, the commentary team were, were cracking me up about it, though. How Graham McGarry can't hear the bells when he's sat in the stadium with them. Just blew my mind. Yeah. yeah. What I could see, they were down to, if he'd have looked down to his left from the Seth Johnson stand, he would have seen him, wouldn't he? Because he was at that gate there. Feels yeah. like he must have, yeah. Yeah. I mean, how can you not? And he's, that bloke has driven 200, what, 250 miles to stand watching the game through a gate. I had it as about a seven hour just... round trip for on a, on a school night for him. So. <laughs> From from that gate, from speaking from experience, you can't actually see one goal either. No, you is can't see the you've been thrown out? Steve, is that from when you've been thrown out of the ground? <laughs> no. no comment. No, I, <laughs> um, I can confirm. I I've watched it through. I, I have watched a half of a game through that gate this season. Never again. I don't think it was a central travel either, to be honest. So, um, someone someone sent <laughs> Boris down his way. So moving on, on Saturday lunchtime, crew took on Wigan Athletic, who just had their heads above the water of the relegation battle. But it was just more of the same from the previous two games, uh, as it saw us whimper to a 2-0 defeat. Mika Mandron and Omar Beckles back in the lineup before the game. Did we think that was the right selection, Aaron? Um, emphasis on before the game, I'll go with yes. I think Mika's probably been one of our better players this season. I didn't really know why he was dropped on Tuesday. And yeah, I was definitely happy to have him back in the side. Um, and again, largely the same for what I've said there about uh, Omar as well. I think it's noticeable he has dropped off slightly in the last, what, month or two probably? But slightly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I don't want to ruin the ruin the surprise later on, um, but uh, but yeah, I I thought like you say when he came in, I thought he was really good and was happy to see him back in the side. I'll say that much. I think Peter Moore summed it up well when he was on the radio saying 
if there was a cup final, both Mika and Omar would play. And although Wigan away with five games to go in the season when you're already safe isn't a cup final, the point is still there. Still there. Yeah. Um, yeah, Steve Davis then. Uh, we started well in the first few minutes. Do you want to talk us through? Well, I say minutes. I think it was like the first 33 seconds, really. Yeah, we were, we were great for 32 seconds, weren't we? Um, if we can just cover that, then that's that game done, <laughs> isn't it? Um, we actually, the ironic thing is, we're actually dangerous from a kickoff, which usually we just love the ball out. Um, so it was actually nice to win the ball from kickoff. Whether that's a plan, I don't know. Um, we should have scored. We, we actually walked into the box. It was far too easy. So, yeah, great start. The less said about the rest, the better, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think it was fairly early on when we sort of flashed one in for cross goal and you just think, oh, maybe, maybe that was immediately when I was like, oh, maybe we should have had Chris Porter on because he might have finished that. And then I was doubting myself very early on in this game. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, if it's a bet, if it's a more intelligent like striker player instead of Owen Dale at the back post, you think maybe he's the right side of the man to tap that in. Uh, it all went downhill though, didn't it, guys? On the fourteenth minute, somebody explain to me what happened, Aaron. Well, well um, I take it you refer. Is that when they scored? Was it the fourteenth yeah, minute? Yeah, it was. Before that, however, as as fluke as the goal was, it is probably part of our downfall because we give the ball away again playing out around the back and obviously no issues with playing around the back but the goal actually come from us losing the ball 20 yards from goal giving a throw in away and then obviously what happened happened so Evans who lost it sort of midway through uh, the crew half and then they just came forward wasn't it and then Charlie Kirk tried to be too he was he was doing the right thing wasn't he he laid it back to Tommy to clear and he tried to clear it and the forward just um, stuck out his toe and there was that ridiculous loop. And it almost happened in slow motion. I was watching it going, oh, shit, this is going in, isn't it? And it just sort of drops in over Will's head. And it was it was just a fluke, really. But we, we did overplay, maybe put ourselves in that position, as you said. This was one of them where I'd had the... Uh, I had the the wigging commentary on, on iFollow at the start. And... Uh, <laughs> just, uh, do we need, to put, a, do we need yeah. to put a disclaimer in, just in case Pete's, Pete's listening? Yeah. <laughs> That's not a railway men podcast official point of view. No, <laughs> no, definitely not. But uh, it was one of them where the ball was still in midair and the, the secondary commentator fellow was shouting for a goal. We could all see it happening. Like, like Steve said, it was always in slow motion now. It's one of those you just can't account for. There was, exactly. there was, no, there was mistakes in the build-up, but the actual goal, like, just fair enough. It's, it's... I mean, that happens a hundred times every weekend and they never go in. So it's maybe one goes in. So, you know. Yeah. Annoying that it was that player to score it as well, to be honest. To be fair though, I felt it was coming because they were on top and they were and they were pushing us and we just we were giving the ball away. And I thought we won a lot of first headers, but when the ball was dropping on the edge of the penalty area, no one was picking up any loose balls and they were first to everything. So although it was a ridiculous fluke, I felt like it was coming at that point in time. They were definitely on top. In, in fairness to Wigan, and this might be the, the time of year that we're in, they they obviously need the points more than us, it's fair to say, but they were generally hungrier than us for the whole 90 minutes. As soon as we tried to put any passes into midfield, then they were all over us. Um, so as bad as it was, I actually thought Wigan were, 
were probably at it. Yeah. From the start. Well, well after the first 32 seconds, anyway. Those 32 you seconds, let's t- just cling on. <laughs> you can definitely tell they've got more to play for. That's for sure. They've, um, they beat Sunderland and Doncaster in their two games before us as well. So it's not surprising that they're a half-decent team, really. I'm sure their striker as well is probably going to claim that as a uh, outside-the-foot 18-yard lob of the keeper as well somehow. And the fact that everyone has to celebrate, by the way, is, is disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> and to the corner flag. It wasn't even like a, a hands-up. He actually ran to the corner flag. Shameless. Absolutely shameless. Um, after they took the lead then you want to see some urgency, some intent from crew, some more of those 32 seconds that we keep talking about. But it never came at any point in the match. It was almost a carbon copy of the Portsmouth game from then on. Uh, how frustrating was that to watch uh, Steve Hatton? It was, it was painful. There was no, there just seemed to be no drive, no determination, no pace. I think a couple of weeks ago, um, the, the, the MK Dons game, when we spoke about how they passed for the sake of passing with no attempt to kind of penetrate or go forward. And I felt like we were doing the same. And you just thought, look, we, I, know, I appreciate it's the way we play, but it was a bit like drilling him away. Like, today's not the day. It's not working. Let's mix. I think Pete Moore said the same thing. Let's occasionally go a bit longer, get Kirk and Dale closer to Mandron, and let's be a bit more direct because I think, like Pete had said, they were, they were letting Beckles have the ball, and he was putting it long anyway, and it wouldn't get anywhere. So let's just cut the middleman, get Will to launch it, and, and just mix it up because it just wasn't working. Um, but we still persisted with it. Even in the seven minutes of injury time, we were aimlessly... <laughs> kicking it around at the back and, and just think, well, what are we doing? You know, we just, we just got to mix it up. It's not working today. Yeah, it was the absolute performance of a team that are on the beach. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Okay, boys, I've got two important questions. Uh, so we might as well get to the elephant in the room. Question number one, uh, do you think Omar Beckles is still the favourite to win player of the season, Aaron? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> sitting here now, what? Two and three hours after the game's finished, no. <laughs> um, I don't. I, yeah, it's it's a funny one. I think there's a lot of players who I can look back on this season and go, they've done really well at times, and then there's other times where I've gone, don't really know why they're playing at the minute, don't really know why they've been picked. So he's probably still overall, I think he's got to be one of the players of the season, but I don't think he will be. I think he had a really good game up until the seventieth minute as well, to be honest. The second question is, why do we keep conceding penalties, Steve Davis? Three and three, isn't it? Yeah. In fairness. Um, Consistency, I, at least. <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's a very difficult question. Ultimately, penalties will come from mistakes. So that would tell you that we're making too many mistakes. Um, I'd be lying if I knew what the actual penalty was like because I turned it off at half-time. Um, Similar to this one, to be fair. Omar the, Beckles the with chat. a lazy chance, uh, lazy tackle from behind. Callum Lang today, before he even got approached, approach is not the right word, but before he even got anywhere, anywhere near him, he ran 20 yards into the heart of our box. That that shouldn't really happen, should it? Like We can't, can't be letting that happen. Um, did Beckles need to foul him? At the time he got there, absolutely not, because I think Wood was across. So, um, so, yeah, ultimately, penalties come from our mistakes and Today was no different. Sloppiness at the end of the day. Yeah, uh, do, pretty much. Do we think it was a, actually a red card? I don't think so. I think 
he's he's hardly scythed him down. Um, you've got a penalty. He wasn't the last man, was he? There was other, as you said, Wood Wood was coming across. Um, it was a penalty. To me, it felt like a harsh red card. It's almost like the double double punishment. I don't think it was a red. Uh, I, yeah, I thought the double jeopardy rule comes into place. Like I know, I was thinking back, and Akrington had a player sent off for something similar. However, that was outside the box, wasn't it? So surely, if he's is in the box, a yellow card would suffice. I agree. I've no idea what the current standing of the double jeopardy rule is or not, to be honest. It seems to come into play on certain times and not in others. I mean, the only thing I could think of for this one is that I guess Beckles was kind of coming from behind him. But I, it's a bit I'm, cynical. It, it was cynical, I think. He, yeah, he did seem to just go in there to get ball, man, everything else as well. But um, it, it was probably quite a harsh one, especially when, you get, like you say, they're going to get the penalty anyway, so... It is, it is at Wigan, though, and I think, um, and I'm sure on the Richard Walker podcast, um, it was quoted as possibly the worst refereeing decision of all time when Richard Walker was sent off at Wigan. So it's it's familiar ground, really, dodgy penalties. <laughs> oh, dodgy penalty, sorry. Dodgy red card. We've been here before. I, I don't think it was a red card. I think the only, the only sort of stance it could ever be a red card is if the referee thinks he's the last man because Lang's next touch was probably a shot, which Wood isn't going to block. That's the only sort of defence I'd have of the uh, ref, who I think was quite a rookie ref as well. I think the last rep, gamey ref was a couple of months ago in League Two or something like that. Um, let's talk about him again then. Anthony Evans, Steve Hatton, talk to us about his performance. He played behind the striker this time. He's got his hand on his face. He's not happy about talking about Anthony Evans. Take it away. He was dreadful. He was, in that first half, everything he did, he did wrong. Genuinely could not find anything he did. Right? Everything he did went wrong. It was like the Frank Spencer of, uh, there's one for the kids, um, <laughs> Frank Spencer of, of a crew midfielder. He was all, second half, to be fair, he improved, but, you know, damning him with faint praise there. Um, he was awful. And if he's the future, then we're in serious, serious trouble unless... I'm massively misjudging him. He was pitiful. Sorry. Genuinely felt like at times there could be a well, the crew player seven yards away from him and he couldn't find him with a pass. That's how I just felt throughout that. Particularly, like you say, particularly the first half. Um, but yeah, that was it. It was just genuinely like couldn't couldn't really see what was going on with him, to be honest. And he's playing in a position that's integral for most attacking moves as well. So no wonder we didn't have a shot on target because when the ball got to him, everything just broke down. No confidence, Kirky, I've got written down. What would you do? Would you play him out? Would you play him so he gets confidence again? Or would you drop him and give him a rest? Aaron? Um, It's a tough one. I wonder what's happened to Daniel Powell as being... We'll answer that in a minute. One part, yeah, one part of that. <laughs> um, so, depending on what we think is our other options, quote unquote, I'd probably drop him. But I am a big Charlie Kirk fan, so I don't want to see that necessarily. Steve Davis, the the other op- sorry, the other option is Walker on the wing. Is that the only other option? Yeah, I mean the, the power again. The power thing is a mystery again. But we did drop Kirk in, I want to say November time. He came back just after the Swindon game, um, and he was back to his best. So, going off that, then I think he he, he may be knackered. He plays every week. Who knows? You know, 
he's him and Pickering are the only ones that seem untouchable. Um, so it, it could be the fact it's just it's just knackered. But yeah, if, if we've got someone that we can replace him with, is Walker the option? Probably not. But yeah, I, I definitely think it needs to be dropped, even for Tuesday. Mr Hatton, what would you do? I think the options are so limited, aren't they, really? I mean, Walker's been pretty painful since he's come back, but I think I think he needs a breather. I think he needs some time out of the firing line. We've got nothing to lose. Let's give Walker 90 minutes. I know he's probably not going to be here next year, but let's see if he can recapture some of the, the promise he had last year. I, I do think... I think Kirky gets quite frustrated as well, doesn't he? He's quite demonstrative on the pitch of his body language and things. I just think, give him a breather, give Walker a run for a couple of games and bring him back in. I just think he's going to wind himself up and make it worse. Do you think if he keeps playing and for the next five games and doesn't do anything good, he's sort of playing himself out of a transfer in the summer? Hard to say, really. I think a lot of teams are going to uh, have it in their mind that it's such a weird season. Um, players are playing twice a week, most weeks, and that they can probably point to his better moments and probably view that. At least that's how I think that they would work. I don't know. I'm not a, not a football scout. I don't really know what goes on through their minds. But, um, you know, I you think that he's shown enough that probably people will still be interested. I think if you saw him for the last three weeks, if you're a scout, I don't think you'd spend much more than half a million on him, to be honest. I mean... It's so hard nowadays because scouts aren't just relying on what they go and see yeah, in games. You've got things like, is it Y Scout and stuff like that that they use? So they can just view any game from pretty much any part of the season nowadays. So I think there's probably enough film, I guess, of him out there. I don't think anyone will be, will be put off by his lack of confidence or form. Ultimately, what is he, 21, 22? You know, people that age or players that age will naturally suffer peaks and traps and he's just having a bit of a tough time, isn't he? Do you think he could move to a club of a similar sort of style that uh, NG and Pickering have gone to? Or do you think he'll be sort of a step below, same step, step higher? I think he'll go to a sort of a lower end championship club. Yeah, I agree. I think he's, he's, he's championship bound. He's not a, a playoff pushing championship team. He's a solid mid-table looking to consolidate championship signing, I think. It's a bit different for Kirk um, than it would be probably for Pickering and NG because if a championship side pays money for a, an attacking player, they're going to expect an impact straight away. Whereas with an NG and a, a Pickering, I only suspect right and left back, they're not going to make a great deal of impact. So, yeah, I, I'd be very surprised if he goes top-end championship for sure. I mean, the other thing is as well that teams pay more of a premium for attacking players as well. So that's perhaps why they expect almost the instant impact kind of thing. Yeah, thinking ahead, I mean, it's a worrying thing. If Does he think he deserves his move? And if he doesn't get his move, is he going to be much used to his next season? That is that is probably a concern. He made an interview a few, oh, well, it might have been a year ago now, when he signed a new contract saying about how he wanted to move up the leagues, but with his mates, the crew, his mates are all going, slowly but surely. We'll talk about another one of them in a minute. I think... I think it's understandable if he sort of gets the hump a little bit if everyone's gone and, and the crew aren't progressing. Anyone else want to um, talk about this game at all? I think we, we have to give due reference to Omar Beckel's attempted overhead kick, which was possibly the highlight of the second half for me. And then 30 so, seconds later, he got sent off. Yeah. So maybe, he was, <laughs> maybe he was still dizzy from doing that and that's why he got sent off. 
Okay, guys, I've got a new segment and it's called... Will we ever see them playing Crew Red again? Do, do, do. Number one for Aaron, Omar Beckles. Um, I had this same conversation this afternoon with my dad on a text thread and we sort of came to the conclusion of probably not. It seems like he isn't going to be re-signing for one reason or another. Um, he's obviously got a suspension to deal with as well, which will be coming up. So we're looking at maybe one or two games left. And I think we've probably got enough options at, at centre-back uh, to pick other players. So no, is going to be my answer on this one. Thank you. Number two, Steve Hatton, Callum Ainley. Now, uh, am I allowed to mention the, the the controversial tweets that have been sent to the Railway Man podcast from someone pertaining to be Callum Ainley's dad? Is, is that permissible? You're all nodding at me. That's fine. Now, I'm a bit confused because Callum Ainley's dad is referring to his son, who he called Callum. He's referring to him as Ainley. Now, I'm... That's a bit weird, if you ask me. And I remember when Ryan Colclough's dad used to gob off on Twitter all the time. He didn't call Ryan Colclough Colclough. He probably called him Ryan. So I'm not sure whether I actually 100% believe said source. Um, obviously, they can tweet me of all sorts of abuse and tell me I'm wrong. Um, I've digressed a little bit. Um, I don't think he is. I think if we're playing Evans ahead of him, I think um, the die's cast and he could be on his bike as well. Um, and maybe Mr. Ainley would like to get in touch and let us know if that is 100% the case. Ainley Senior. Yeah, Ainley Senior, sorry. Well, Callum can if well, yeah. wants, but no. If Ainley Junior wants to get in touch, we'll happily have him on. Yeah. Uh, Steve Davis said, Ryan Wintle left out of both squads completely, I think, for the two games. Artel said he's injured. I actually <laughs> think he'll play on the basis of, I think, Dave would want a result. So, and again, who who else would probably play in there? We are better with him as much as he's going to leave, but if we can play Wintle, Lowry and Murphy, I think that is our best three at a minute midfielders that are fit. So I would say yes with Wintle. Okay. Uh, back to Do Steve. Do we win a prize first? Is there a prize um, involved? You'll have to ask Stuart <laughs> for that, I'm sorry. <laughs> probably a cash prize, no, Stuart. Uh, we'll go back to uh, Mr Hatton with Ollie Lancashire. Great head of hair. Um, I think he he might get a game due to the uh, uh, suspension of Beckles, but I, I will still stick to my guns and say he'll be gone at the end of the season. 30-plus, injury-prone centre-half. He's not getting a new contract to accrue, no way. Personally, I'd prefer to see Offord, Wood and Daniels in those mm-hmm. centre-back roles instead of... Uh, Lancashire. Um, this is to the, the entire table. Anyone can talk about him. Uh, Dan Powell. He's gone. He's not going to be in the Absolutely not. His contract's up. Old senior pro. Whether he play this year, I don't know, but I think he's off as well. It's a pride from what I've seen recently. Like I say, with it's not been on team sheets or he's not been at anywhere. And I'd be surprised if he's even turning up to Reese at this point. <laughs> you meeting him from uh, London every day. <laughs> yeah, apparently still. <laughs> Okay, then moving on to Tuesday, crew travel to Fleetwood. Simon Grayson is in charge there, and they're very sort of much like us, an inconsistent side. They lost at the weekend 2 1 to Hull, which is very much like us as well, uh, but then won the two previous, which is less like us. Uh, what do we expect from that game then, boys? Steve Davis. Um, I mean, it's, a, it's not very glamorous, is it? Fleetwood on a Tuesday night, 
mid-table clash. Um, two sides that are probably on the beach. Um, literally. Not, not so, literally, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> not selling this for I follow at all. Um, I don't know. It, it could be one of those where it, it could be a, a very dour draw or it could just be two teams that will go for it and it could be three each. Um, I, like, I like the optimism there, Steve. <laughs> we haven't scored for three games, so three three goals <laughs> is very optimistic. Um, but yeah, it's who knows who knows what we're going to get. It's very much a uh, mid-table clash, isn't it, Steve Hatton? Both sides sort of, like I said, very inconsistent. We are, but they've got some. From modern memory, they've got some good kind of experienced heads that play for them, and they looked a decent side. I think we did we play the bottom on Boxing Day. Um, yeah. yeah, and we're quite, I thought, quite fortunate to get a draw and they looked a decent side. Got a fair few experienced heads, but as you've mentioned, they're mid-table, they're safe. You know, are they are they looking at the beach? Not the beach in Fleetwood, obviously, but are they looking at the beach? Um, is there a beach in Blackpool? In yeah, Blackpool, sorry, yeah. Um, they're, they're, I think they're looking at the beach as well. And without wishing to give away my prediction, I don't think it's going to be a, an awe-inspiring um, match, to be honest. I like the way that you said that we were fortunate to get a draw there, which is, I think that's just paraphrasing what Joey Barton had to say to, to Dave Artell at the end of the game, pretty much. I'm sure, sure that was just the gist of what he was getting at. Very much paraphrasing, probably. Yeah. Uh, well, Stuart has already spoken to Rick from Fleetwood, and here that is now. Thank you for that, Russ. Now, I'm joined by Rick. Rick is a Fleetwood fan this week. Hiya, welcome to the pod. Hi, thanks for inviting me. Not a problem. Um, now, for a bit of context to people listening, we had David on before the first Fleetwood game, but he said he's not really watched uh, many of the games, so he's put us in touch with you. So, just briefly, Rick, could you sum up your time as a Fleetwood fan? Yeah, so I'm, um, I've been supporting Fleetwood um, back in the conference and slightly before days. I've known sort of Andy Pilly the chairman for 30 plus years. So when he, when he kind of took over, I kind of bought into what he was trying to do with the club. I've, I've always loved football, never really, never really followed a club as such until Andy took sort of fleet over. And then I started watching, I'm only down the road from them. And obviously he's got promotion after promotion and we find ourselves um, in league one and, co- and we currently somehow always seem to think that we're punching above our weight, but I think we've been here long enough now to say, uh, that we deserve to be where we are. Uh, let's go back to the game at Gresty Road early in the season. It finished one-one. Um, did you see it? What were your thoughts of the game? Um, it was a bit. It was. I remember as uh, we took the lead and then you equalised. It was a bit of a bit of a dull game from memories. It was. It was Boxing Day, wasn't it? Um, it, it was. Wasn't, um, it wasn't a great game. It, it wasn't. It wasn't the greatest of games. No. So, and 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 I think it's it's probably going to be a similar type scoreline uh, this time around. So I think probably the biggest thing that's happened for Fleetwood, I mean, you can disagree with me, is the change of manager since that game. Um, what was your opinion on Joey Barton and the manner that he left? Um, I liked him. I liked, he, he seemed to have a passion for, um, I used to listen to him on TalkSport and he was very articulate. I know he obviously comes with a lot of history. Uh, but he, I mean, he, we went to the playoffs with him. He seemed to be doing really well. Um, but unfortunately, there was that time when he just seems to lose it. <laughs> and uh, I remember see, uh, hearing someone talking about him on Soccer AM and, and they used to say, once he's gone, he's not coming back. 
and 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 that was it was kind of a strange exit because he kind of offloaded Chad and then um, was offloaded himself and uh, and then and then even more bizarre we, we go for an ex Blackpool and Preston manager in Simon so yeah so let's move on to that then you obviously got the new manager now um new managers mean changes what are we going to see differently on Tuesday that we didn't see in the first game I think we're going to see a, a very settled side. Uh, he doesn't like chopping and changing sides. Uh, I've noticed over the last four or five games, we, we seem to be going with, with a similar type of formation. We seem to go with a similar type of team. Um, Simon's kind of set us up so we don't lose or we don't lose by many. I was just before I came on here, I was looking at the sort of the our home games and we're, we're either winning 1 0 or losing 1 0. Um, or, or there's been a couple of two nils and, and similarly to yourselves, you, your last five away games, you've been sort of either winning or losing one nil or two nil. So he's, he's created a very solid midfield. Um, unfortunately, I'll be honest, we're probably lacking a bit up front at the moment. Uh, we need to build on that for next season, but he certainly settled us down. We were getting into a period where we could have even been looking towards the drop. Um, he's definitely avoided that until we lost is a bad game losing one nil to Swindon we could we were even starting to think we could have slightly hit the playoffs now I think we're just accepting it's it's league one and, and rebuild for next season yeah I mean that is the case I think for both teams going into Tuesday um there's quite a few crew fans that have already got in touch with me and said they're just not going to bother now for the rest of the season um, yeah it's, it's a difficult one um, because obviously we're all watching an eye player there's there's a few, there's a few questioning is it worth is it worth watching now for me personally yes because i like to see what simon's doing he's still relatively new to the club but but i i i understand both views yeah so uh i think you've already sort of alluded to it not expecting a classic uh on tuesday night but sometimes these end of season games finish five five or something like that don't they yeah, it will be interesting. I, th I think now we are mathematically safe, so it will be a case of whether he decides to stick with what he knows or whether we'll try and sort of blood some. We've got some young players coming through. We've we've got a very very good, uh, even though we've got a very small ground, we've got a very good training uh, facility at Pullfoot Farm, which was eight eight million pound that Andy Andy brought in. So it's a, and it is starting to show fruition um, from players. Um, one player for you to dip, certainly look out for is he is the young lad at the back, James Hill. I'm not sure how he's come up through. Um, I'm not sure how long we'll keep him, but clubs like Fleetwood, like Crew, they're also, these are the people that keep us going because unfortunately, or fortunately for him, I think he will move on to bigger and better things. Um, okay, Rick, I'm going to ask you one last question before I let you go. Um, can I get a prediction for Tuesday night's game, please? I'm going to go for a Fleetwood win purely on our home form is, I think, slightly better than your away form. And I'm going to go for a very tight 1-0. OK. Thank you so much for coming on. No worries. Thanks for your time. So the Reds are back at Gresty Road on Saturday as they try to avenge the embarrassment that Rochdale put upon us a few months ago. Aaron, are we excited to get our revenge? Can I say no? You can very um, much say no. <laughs> I don't know. It's, I don't particularly hold anything against Fleet, uh, against Rochdale for that. And at the end of the day, it feels like it could be similar. I mean, depending on fixtures between now and then, it could be a very similar affair to the one that happened against Wigan. This is going to be a team that are still fighting for something, probably fighting for their lives kind of thing. And 
and I expect they'll probably want it more than we do. So it's a game that you look at and think, oh, we could win that, but then in the reality of the situation might be a little bit different. Yeah, Rochdale are right down there in 22nd, but they've won two on the bounce. Like Aaron said, Steve, Bear Davis, are we expecting essentially a carbon copy of the Wigan game? Yeah, you'd certainly expect them to be to be scrapping for their lives. They are, I mean, they've just beat Swindon and Accrington today. So, yeah, they're picking up a few results. I actually think that the Rochdale game was probably the turning point of our season. Like it's If we would have held on to that lead, I think we would have been in the playoffs. And I'm not saying we would have kicked on to the playoffs, but I certainly would have think we would have had a better run after Christmas. Um, but they were awful on the day. Like I didn't think they were that great. So I'd be looking to get one over on them. Would you have said they were awful, Steve Hatton? Or were we just did we just shoot ourselves in the foot? I think first Defensively half, awful, they were, were awful, sorry, yeah. Yeah. yeah second half they gave us all sorts of problems and I remember their centre forward Humphreys was a really really threatening decent player and if they do go down if there's somewhere we can poach him because I think Porter's probably not going to be here next year he'd be a fantastic signing because he was a real threat and not a real danger um but I quite like Rochdale. They're a bit like us because they let in loads. They score. They had that spell when they just seemed to draw every game three all. Um, and, and actually, out of all those teams at the bottom, they looked far better than the like of Swindon and Northampton. Um, and I would personally rather them stay up than Wigan. And that isn't bearing any grudges after today. Were you going to say they they concede loads and they score loads just like us? Yeah. We don't score loads. No, well, before the last <laughs> couple of games. I'm, I'm thinking generally in history, that has been our trend is that we've scored lots and conceded lots. We haven't actually scored that many this year, to be fair, I guess. Yeah. I've just done some really, really quick maths. I think it's three goals in our last eight games. Nope, four goals in our last eight games, maybe. Wow. Remember when we were grumbling that we were making a load of chances and not scoring goals? No one even, no one even creating the chances. <laughs> <laughs> We did for 30-odd seconds today, to be fair. Yeah. That's... <laughs> Highlight of the season, those 32 seconds. Uh, okay, then. So Stuart has already spoken to Dean from RochdaleAFC.com too. Take it away. So I'm joined by Dean from RochdaleAFC.com. Uh, hi, Dean. Welcome back to the pod. Hi, Stuart. Thanks for having me, mate. Not a problem. Um, so first question then is, did you see the first game? Uh, what did you make of it? it? It really was a game of two halves, wasn't it? Yeah, it certainly was. Um, one that will live in the memory for a while, I think. Uh, to be fair, it's been a weird season, hasn't it? Because everyone's watching from home, but there's definitely been a few games that will stick out and that I remember watching. And that's definitely one of them. I think in the first half, you guys looked absolutely incredible. And um, I seem to remember like in all our WhatsApp groups and on Twitter and everything, a lot of our fan, a lot of our fans um, were really complimentary, rather than being, you know, too down on our performance. Um, although it, it was obviously not good enough in that first half, and then in the second half, we kind of saw a little bit of resilience and a little bit of fight that most of us at the time didn't really know that we had in the squad. Um, and Matty Lund, I think, got two of the goals, didn't he? And he's he's an absolute hero. Uh, and it. it Everyone kind of felt it might have been able to kickstart the season again and we might have been able to get get on a bit of a run and get away from the relegation zone because those are the kind of games that kind of give you a, a massive morale boost. But uh, I think we I think we won the next game away from home and then it kind of tailed off again. So it, it's kind of the, been the story of our season, to be honest. When we have 
whenever when everything clicks, we look like a decent side. The problem is it, it doesn't do it enough for us to get three points often enough, and that was the case against you because in the first half we just were nowhere nowhere near as good as we can be, um, and then in the second half we showed, you know, that's that kind of intensity that's been lacking, and the reason probably the reason why we're down near the bottom of the table is the fact that we've just not had that consistency sometimes even within the same game. How has it been going since the crew game then? Because obviously you're still in the relegation zone, but has uh, you've sort of touched on results and things there. Um, well, for a while after the crew game, we went on a terrible run. I think it was 12 games without a win, something like that. Um, and I think we all kind of felt that we were doomed at that point. We then went to Lincoln and got a, a surprise win against the team. Obviously, they're chasing promotion. And that seemed to be maybe a kickstart again. We then got a 3-3 draw with Peterborough the next game in a game we should have won. Took the lead in injury time and somehow managed to concede a penalty a few seconds later. Um, and again, it, it kind of felt like those two games might have been the ones that kick-started us. Then we fell back off again. Uh, lost at Fleetwood last week with one of the most spineless performances that you've ever seen from a team trying to get out of the relegation zone. Again, everyone thinks that's it, game over, doomed. And then we we come out of nowhere and get back-to-back home wins. We hadn't won at home for six months um, until Tuesday night. Six months without a home win. And then to go and pick up two in five days, it's... Uh, it's a nice feeling. Um, we just wish that it would have come a little bit earlier and we might have been giving ourselves a little bit more of a chance to, uh, to to get out of the bottom four. But based on those last two performances, two very much deserved wins as well. I don't think anyone from Swindon or Accrington can feel hard done by. I think we've been the better side in both of those games. Um, but like I say, it's just a shame that we've not been able to do that over the course of the season, really. So going back to the game coming up on Saturday then, um, is there going to be many players that have changed, any tactics that have changed that we'll expect to see from Rochdale? Yeah, BBM kind of, um, he gets he kind of gets stuck in his ways a little bit with the formations and the tactics. He's very much still wanting to play out from the back, but there is more defensive solidity there than there was before. And we've gone to a three at the back, which has definitely shored things up. I think that just plays to our strengths because we've got quite a few very decent centre-backs, in my opinion. So, um I think that would be the major change in, in the way that we set up. Um, and then in terms of players, Connor Grant came in in January from Sheffield Wednesday, young Irish midfielder, and he, he was, he's been fantastic, to be honest. Um, he looks like a real talent. He, at, at first, we were maybe a little bit worried that he was a little lightweight and maybe not up for the fight as much. Um, but you can see the quality he has on the ball. Um, got his first goal on Tuesday, was probably man of the match um, against against Accrington there. Um so, yeah, he's, he's one to look out for who, who wouldn't have been around um, for the previous game. Um, and then we're missing Stephen Humphreys still for injury. don't know whether he'll be back in time or not. Um, Matt Lund came on against Accrington for the last few minutes. He's been missing for a while, so that's a massive boost to have him back as well. Um, so, yeah, I think they're the things you have to look out for. But, yeah, it'll, be, it'll probably be the three at the back again because that does seem to give us a little bit more solidity and it allows the likes of Grant and... And Stephen Dooley, who's in really good form at the moment, um, that that freedom, you know, to be creative in the final third, which we haven't been able to do um, earlier in the season. Okay, so Dean, I guess the obvious question to finish on then is: Are you confident that you're going to be in League One next season? Um, not confident, no. Uh, I mean, the back-to-back wins give you that hope, don't they? And I think even if, I think. If we'd got anything less than the six points from those games, then I, I would be feeling that it was all over at this point. So 
Um, I'm definitely not cowing my chickens, let's put it that way. I think uh, we're recording this before Wimbledon plays Swindon, which is a massive game for us as well. Um, we kind of need Swindon, even though they're below us at the minute, to take points off Wimbledon if we're going to have much of a chance of escaping, because I think if Wimbledon win, we'll still be five points away. Um, and now going into, I think we've got six games left. So it's it's getting very, very um, late in the day for us to pull off a great escape. But we've done it a couple of times before from League One, so I wouldn't put it past us. I would say at the minute, I think after the Fleetwood game, I think I gave us something like a 5% chance of staying up. After the six points that we've since picked up, I'll maybe make it 25 30%. Fair enough. Um, so it's a possibility, more of a possibility now. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, so, Dean, can I get a prediction for from you for the game on Saturday, please? Yeah, well, I've I've got to show a little bit of confidence now, haven't I? And like you said um, off air there, just as we were chatting, you said that it feels like crew maybe run out of a little bit of steam, um, not much to play for, lost to one of our relegation rivals in Wigan. So I'm going to have to go for a, a narrow Dale win. I'll go for 2-1 to Dale. OK, thank you for coming back on, Dean. No problem. Thanks very much for having me. Okay then, prediction time, gents. I've been granted access to the current table, and to be honest, it did slightly confuse me. Uh, Last week's lads all got it wrong. For the Wigan game, they predicted two wins and a draw. And if you didn't know, then maybe scroll back a bit because we we lost. of the current league table, Steve Hatton is top with 0.86. Aaron and I are joint fourth with 0.72. And then Steve, um, you're third bottom, I think, with 0.54. I'm sorry for telling everyone that. I'm a relegation um, scrap. You very much are. Um, our first game then is away at Fleetwood. So we'll start with Steve Davis. Um as I said, it could be nil-nil or a high-scoring draw. I'm actually going to go two-two. Well, I hope don't ask me where we're going to score from because I'm not, not too <laughs> sure. I just think it'll be two-two. They'll probably def- be deflected clearances. Um, Aaron, um, I like the sentiment, but I don't think we can score two goals at the minute. So I'll go with one-one. And then Steve Hatton. Don't think we historically we've got a very good. I know we've not played there very much, but I don't think we've got a good record of Fleetwood. And I am predicting the misery to continue. Fleetwood two, Crew nil. I don't think we have ever won there, you know. I can remember Looking us back. losing on the opening day. Two yeah. missed a penalty in the last minute, and then him and yeah. scored a penalty. I got attacked by a flag once at Fleetwood, supporting Nantwich as a as a child. It looped up and just landed on top of me, and I. Was, Terrifying. No, anecdotes for, for a different time. <laughs> so I did <laughs> I did check with the powers on high, which is, uh, of course, Stuart, whether I can have a prediction this week too. And they told me that I'm now the power upon high. So I've decided that I can. And I've gone with a 1-0 defeat. Not very optimistic. Uh, looking at our second game then, it's uh, Rochdale at home. We'll go in reverse, re- reverse order. Um, I'll go with a... I should have planned this before. I'll go with a 1-0 win. I don't know how, why, or what, but we'll win. Steve Hatton. I think we'll throw a spanner in Rochdale's um, plans to survive, and it'll be a rather tedious 1-1 draw. Very nice. I'll I'll take that to the bank. Um, Aaron, please. Uh, I 
really wanted to predict us for a win in this game, but I then remembered that it's on a Saturday and we, apart from one game this year, we don't win on Saturdays. So I'll go with a 1-1 again. Very nice. And Stevie D. I'm going to predict that Charlie Kirk doesn't play on Sat Tuesday. He comes back firing all cylinders on Saturday and we win 2-0. If that happens, I think you deserve an extra point as well. I'll take that. <laughs> I'll record as well. I, I won't be the power on high at that point, so I won't have any authority. Unless Stuart uh, phones it in again on uh, Tuesday. <laughs> okay, time for another Fan Hub leaderboard update then. After the Wigan match on Saturday, we had another change at the top. Third place is that man, Andy Priest. Second place is Andy Copeland, but top with a rating of 96.53 is Julie Warren. She's always up there. Uh, so keep smashing it, Julie. That also means she's currently 20th out of the out of everyone on the app. 20th out of 3,310 people. That's that's pretty good. Pretty cool. Fair play. Talking about the club leaderboards, then we've jumped back up to fourth, beating the Potters again. Uh, let's see though if we can break into that top three before the end of the season. The top three, I think, are Hull, Portsmouth, and Gillingham. Hull, I think, like 1.0 something above us, so we can definitely try and take uh, over them. Just another update then from uh, Fan Hub. Fan shares have been announced, and it's a system that means you can get paid for following and watching your favourite team. Head over to the app now and the socials in the coming days to get a taste of that. Okay, so last week was Neil's last part of the season. This time it's Steve Hatton's, so we've got some questions for you. Steve, this season then, success or failure? Do you know what? It's a, it's a funny one because it's a success because we are the only promoted team not to have flirted with relegation at any point. And I recognise that Plymouth is safe now and, and, and well clear, but they had a bit of a, a sniffy start. So on the one hand, we have consolidated, but to me, it's just tinged with, with a bit of disappointment and that I felt with this group of players and the squad we have, which we all know is has started to be dismembered and it's going to be dismembered in the summer, I just feel we, we should and could have sustained that playoff push a bit more than we did. And, and earlier in the pod, Steve has pinpointed the game that for me was pivotal is that half-time at Rochdale, 3-0 up, one foot in the playoffs. I think that is not where the wheels come up, came off, but where we, we lost our momentum a little bit uh, and we never quite consistently regained it after that. So, um, yes, success. But to me, with the players we had, tinged with a bit of disappointment that we didn't really push on and make more of an effort to get into the playoffs. I think you've echoed pretty much every crew fan's uh, opinion on that one, to be fair. Uh, second one, then, is player of the season. I've got to get absolute pelters for this, but I, I think the, the operative word here is of the season. Although he has had a shocker um, over the past couple of weeks, I can't look beyond Beckles because I just think across the whole season, he has been the one player who has been more consistent than anyone else. I mean, Dale's had his spell, Wintle's had a good spell, Pickering had a good spell, but to me, Beckles carried us through our unbeaten run and was imperious and a real colossus at centre-half. And yes, 
I'm saying this in the light of today, and, and I appreciate people throwing things at the, at the radio, whatever they listen to before. <laughs> um, but uh, I think the operative word is of the season, and I have to give it to Beckles because he has been, to me, the most consistent performer across the whole season. You know how I just said you echoed the opinion of most crew fans? <laughs> I, retract, I retract that statement now. <laughs> Uh, so who's your second, I thought he was going to say I thought he was going to say Anthony Evans. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Steve, who's your breakthrough player of the season then? This is a tricky one because I don't think that, that the only players who've really broken in are Rio and Travis Johnson, and I don't think they've played enough or made enough of an impression for me to class them as breakthrough players. So it's a bit of a cheat, really, and I think Ollie Finney who I did not have in my team at the start of the season, if I was to pick an 11, has cemented his place and has become one of those players whose value to the team becomes more apparent when he's not in it. And since he's not played, we have missed him massively. And that chance, that infamous chance today, 33 seconds in, Finney's playing, he scores. Some of those half chances that form the penalty area, Finney's playing, he scores. And I've, I've said it before, he is the new David Platt, for sure. Um, and although he's played fairly regularly in the last couple of seasons, to me, this is his real breakthrough season when he's become a, a, a key part of that team. And we've missed him so much since that broken leg at Shrewsbury. Yeah, I think if, we didn't, if he didn't have that injury, we'd be talking about him the same way we're talking about Charlie Kirk getting a move, maybe. I, I think he'd have by now 15, 16, 17 goals from midfield. Yeah. I, I think if he kept up that rate, he'd, he'd be there. Yeah, definitely. So um, you're saying it's uh, just a matter of time till he's scoring worldies against Belgium? I'm playing for all those Italian clubs, yeah. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I'm captain in England. One day, eh? One day. Okay, so the next question is really weirdly worded because I just couldn't work out how... Stuart worded it on the last time, on the last pod. Uh, the most important player to tie down for next season, as in like a new contract. Oh, um, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it because on his day... Anthony he, Evans. He, <laughs> he's as good as a League One defender as our budgets we're going to get. But if we tie Beckles down and sort his head out after this last couple of games, he is, uh, I think, a, a key player. Sorry. No, I think I think you're probably right there as well, to be fair. Okay, then, pretty much all from us today. Uh, final thing though is about a little man called Ashton. We've obviously mentioned him on the pod before, but he's recently came out of hospital, and honestly, wow, what an inspiration he is to everyone. Uh, he visited the club the other day, and the pictures and videos from that are really cool. Uh, I thought uh, Artel's interview. I heard it on the radio. I think at half time today. That was really moving. I don't know if you lads heard it, but for you know. It was from the heart and everything like that. And it's nice to see that community spirit within our club again. Um, so basically, keep fighting, keep going, Ashton. You've got the whole world supporting you. So that wrap, just about wraps it up from us then. Uh, thank you for listening to Four Blokes Moan About Crew, because that's all it's been really, isn't it? Apart from a Beckles failed overhead kick, there's, there's really nothing to smile about. Uh, so cheers to Steve, Aaron and Steve. Thanks very much. Thank you. And as Stu says... Goodbye. Bye.
Dang-a-dang-dang, ding-a-dong-ding, blue moon.